According to Barna, 64% of Christians today think that evangelism is optional. Let's change the stats. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm doing well, Kelly. Thanks. Awesome. I got a question for you. I know your wife is part of our team, and she has this saying, so I want to dig into that saying. Her saying is, say yes and panic later. Yes. Have you ever done that? Absolutely. You know, living it with her, we are dangerously optimistic, and uh, I can remember just like a time back in my early work days where... I was on a construction site and they were like, hey, do you know how to drive this forklift? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and what do you do for the next half hour is you learn how to drive the forklift. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a scary feeling. It's a happily terrified kind of feeling because you know something good is on the other end. That's so true. Well, my guest today is Pastor Brandon Barber. He's the lead pastor of Elevate People yes. in Houston, Texas. It's an inner city church. He's also uh, the CEO of Mike Barber, his, his dad's prison ministry that ministers to over 22,000 prisoners last year. Mm-hmm. He also is the founder of the Texas Dream Center right. in Houston, which, uh, I mean, this guy does a lot of things and he's ministering at an exponential rate. And I ask about that. I ask, how did he get into all this stuff? How did he dig in and, and minister and do these things? And he talked about saying yes and panicking later. Mm-hmm. So we press into that. It's a fascinating story. His church last year saw 1,124 salvations. Wow. And the prison ministry saw 7,800 salvations, which is amazing. So this guy is breaking the statistic, which is what GoCast is all about. It's about talking and interviewing to pastors and leaders who are exponentially uh, leading people to Jesus. And this is a fascinating conversation. I learned so much from him. This is an inspiring conversation. It's a high energy conversation. And here is my conversation with Pastor Brandon Barber from Houston, Texas. Well, hey, Brandon, man. So good to see you, my friend. Welcome to GoCast. Come on. It's so good to be here. Absolute honor to be here with you, Pastor. And uh, excited to talk about today and hang. Man, all right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and in particular how you got started in, in ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I currently live in uh, Houston, Texas. And uh, before that, though, my whole life, I really grew up in sports and ministry was really my whole lifestyle. My father played professional sports, really kind of tried to follow that model. So we we're kind of a sports family from sports. He actually went into the mission field, but a unique mission field. Uh, the mission field of prison. And so wow. we've had a prison ministry family for about 36 years. So my whole life I've been in and out of prison, bro. <laughs> and so, but, but we, uh, we've been absolutely loving it. And so when sports was over uh, through college, um, I just knew God began to tug on my heart for, 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 um, for ministry. Yeah. And so at that time I was actually at a place where I didn't even like the local church. I think we, I don't know if we've all been there or not. Yeah. Yeah. Hurt like the local church. And I was like, this is the last thing I want to do. But then I found a church that's just so life giving. They helped me fall back in love with it. Met my wife in uh, Arkansas at the time I was playing ball and going to school. And uh, she, when we met, then I felt the Lord calling. I thought I was going to get my life there in Arkansas to a local church there called New Life Church. Yeah. 
And I uh, absolutely love it when Pastor Rick and Michelle Bizet. I don't know if you know those yeah, yeah. amazing people there. And so we thought we were going to give our life there. And then God dropped it in my heart to go and serve my father in prison ministry. Wow. And dad had never asked me to be a part. He, you know, he didn't force ministry on me. He let ministry call me the way it called him. Yeah. And uh, and so me and my wife, we uh, we picked up and uh, moved down to the Dallas area at that time. And so her family loved me. <laughs> I moved them to Dallas and then I moved her down to Houston, even further away. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so we um, we uh, we did that. And so I served dad for about eight years full time in the um prison ministry yeah. and just start the ins and outs of the warehouse to everything. And then all of a sudden, about eight years in, God began just stirring in my heart, this idea of planting a church. And uh, I was actually in Angola prison in Louisiana, wow. which is, I mean, one of the most violent prisons in, in the world. Um, and, and God has just done some amazing things there to be one of the, actually the safest prisons in the world now. Um, wow. I was down there. Isn't that crazy? Just, yeah. It's crazy. God's story. And so, but it would be just like God, I'm inside of a prison and I get this vision to plan a church. Yeah. And, um, and I saw myself doing it, it freaked me out. And I called my wife and said, Hey babe, I think I just, what do you think about this? I think we're supposed to start church. She said, no, I said, amen to that. And we put it on the show. <laughs> we did nothing. We did nothing for about seven months. And I'm a little hard headed. I don't know about you, but like, I, I got to hear straight from the Lord, like, Lord, Send me somebody at 927 wearing a purple suit with gators on, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like specific. Yeah. And, um, and, but uh, seven months later, anyways, the Lord just sent somebody in our life and said, God called you to start a church. You better listen. Wow. And uh, in a rock doll world, and, uh, the reason why we found ourselves in Houston, we knew it wasn't the Dallas area. Uh, because who can start a good church where the Cowboys are? Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I see that Minnesota fan in the background right there. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, bro. We tell we tell cowboy fans in our church. The Bible says we got to love you, but we don't have to like you. Yeah, that's that's the truth. <laughs> but we uh, we uh, reason why we found Houston is a little bit unique. Um, but about our history with prison ministry and everything, I heard a state senator say um, there's 163,000 men and women in just the state prison of wow. Texas. Uh, that doesn't even include our own city of Houston. Our jail has 160,000 go through there every year, but just the state side of Texas. Wow, wow. My dad started 36 years ago. There was 12 prisons. Now there's over 200, almost 200. And so when I heard him say out of the 165,000, 25% of our prison population in Texas comes from the inner cities of Houston. Wow. That's when I heard the Lord say, I want you to go and plant a church. And this is just the way the Lord gave it to him. He said, if you want to change the city, you start where it's broken. And I, we picked one of the most broken parts of the city and we went to an area and God just called us to start a church where we can bridge the gap where race doesn't divide us. Money don't divide us. Parts of the city don't divide us. We just love on Jesus, love on people. And, uh, and that's why we started Elevate People coming up on seven years ago uh, in the heart of the inner city of Houston. Man, that is so I, I love that. That's so I love your heart in that. And the reason, you know, the reason why you're planting in in. Uh, Inner, inner city Houston is man just going hey we're the darkness let's it go turn on the light man I, I love it so talk to us about elevate people talks about the church man seven years old what's what's been happening man we trying to figure it out uh it's um, it's awesome come on I think every pastor feels that way right? yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> when you think you got to figure it out you realize you ain't got to figure it out but um man I love our church our church is awesome um, I'm so proud of our we've got an incredible team 
Um, my wife and I is definitely not, it's not because of us. It's because just God's grace, God's rhythm, uh, the incredible team that we have around us in our churches. Uh, we're right would be in the heart of the inner city of Houston. And so it's a very diverse church, not just racially, but uh, social economic status, everything from um, anywhere from very successful families to men and women who are homeless or fresh off the street in prison. I mean, every week I got somebody running up to me and just saying, I made it, B. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, man, you met me in prison five years ago and I told you I was going to come to church. Wow. And so our church is just a, a neat mixture of just men and women off the street, um, successful families. And our, our heart is, our vision is really just loving people into an encounter with Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and we just tell people all the time, I don't care if you, if you shot up, messed up last night. I don't care if you messed up last year. This past, man, we just want to love you where you are. We care less what you've done. We just want to love you right where you are to help you get to where you're going. That's the best way I know how to describe elevating people. And so we launched right at seven years ago. And uh, we're still a portable church. Believe in God for that right building. Yeah. And uh, and so it's been a grind. It's it's been um, you know you go to an area to be honest where it's less resource environment. Especially if we're talking to pastors and leaders here on this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just a little bit more of a grind. It's more of a mountain that you have to take on and trust God with and faith. And you know, I heard somebody ask my dad one time. I was doing an interview with him. It was pretty powerful is uh, when it talks about just resources and trusting God. But because uh, you can go into prison, you can try to take an offering plate, bro, but it ain't going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you really have to trust the Lord in prison ministry. I mean, just the level of faith to trust that God's going to supply to make sure everything happens and goes. We were sitting there doing an the interview and somebody asked um, my dad, uh, just, hey, why do you think God asked you to to lead this prison ministry mm. uh, because it's the hardest thing he's ever done. I've seen it. It's the hardest thing I've ever been a part of. Just believe in God to supply for the vision that's in your heart. Yeah. And he said something without hesitation. He said, I think the Lord chose me because he knew I wouldn't quit. Wow. And, it, and that just, that just is always just stuck with me. Yeah. And it's like, I just think that maybe the reason why God asked us to do it is just, man, it's just a spirit of not quit. And I think that relates to anybody as well. And uh, but that's that's our heartbeat. That's where we are. That's why we went there. That's the best way I know how to describe it, man. Wow. Loving on people, trying to figure it out on the way. Man, that I love that. I mean, your dad, uh, he was he was uh, a tight end for the Houston Oilers. I mean, he was he was a bad football. I mean, he was he was a mean. Guy. He was he he played he played football like that too. But he I mean he started this prison ministry over thirty five years ago. And and you and and your church, you've taken on that ministry as well. So, man, talk to us about that. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So, um, man, it's something that I absolutely love. I love prison ministry. Um, you know, I always ask God too. It's like, God, why did you why did you ask me to go to prison first before starting a church? Yeah. Prison, honestly, taught me how to love people. Wow. Pastor, it taught me how to love people right where they are, not for what they've done. Um, it helped me have hard conversations that literally, I mean, I'm sure I will someday, but right now I've not been surprised by anything that I've faced in the church that I didn't have. It's like, man, if I can love somebody in the deepest, darkest places of a prison, wow. uh, you know, there's a lot of people behind invisible bars in our churches and they just need love and uh, they're people too. So to love somebody that's tagged with a number according to the state or the government, uh, but love them by their name, the heart of God, like that's my passion behind it. So that's why. I share that because that that's where I feel like the two 
church in prison. I just think it's one of the greatest outreach opportunities. Uh, first of all, for us uh, in the U.S., I mean, we hold one third of the world's prison population. Wow. And it's the fastest growing mission field in the world. Wow. So why would we not be a part of it? Yeah, yeah. And if, if 25% for me in my city from prison, well, I mean, that's, that's, I can go reach the dads. I can go reach uh, the moms. We can go reach those who are trafficked. We can, we can, t- we can handle the pimps. So there ain't no more trafficking. Like, like there's like the number one recruiting ground for the cartels in our downtown Houston jail. Wow. Why would I not go there to stop traffic? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the hand in hand, but build a church. So where it gives them a place to come to so we don't lose them through the cracks. Man. And because uh, they build a relationship on the inside. So that's really my passion with doing it both. And I just feel like God is just, man, uh, God just really used my father. And I'll, I don't say this. He would never say this about himself. But, man, he truly is. And I know this is a bold statement. I believe a wholehearted. He's the Billy Graham to prisons. Mm. I mean, what he does, the masses that he brings, the people that he reaches around the nation and the world. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. God has asked us to keep it going and um, and to keep running with it. And so it, it will be coming underneath our church. We're in the process of, of it coming underneath our church umbrella someday. And because my dad's going to run, he's going to run until he goes home to be with Jesus. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> he's going to live in prison, bro, for the rest of his life. And, and so when that comes, we'll just keep it doing. And then our heart is just to help other churches who have a heart for prison ministry to get it going. But there's just something beautiful about it, about it bringing families together. Yeah. And uh, and I and I guarantee you, it's more in in pastors' churches than they even realize, too. Mm. You know, I, would, I encourage a lot of pastors sometimes. And I said, if you're willing to do it, I said, it might blow you away. But if you were to have an altar call for those who have a loved one in prison. Yeah. To not be embarrassed by it. But just know we're here with like you'll be blown away at the response in your church. Wow. That's so good. I just think it's a huge need. So we love it. We just believe it's one. The Bible says to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, I take our interns. We take volunteers, people like any like if you want to learn how to lead somebody to the Lord. It sounds crazy. They're afraid. But prison is the best place <laughs> to go. So I just think from an outreach training, loving on people, getting them in your church. I just man, we just love it. Yeah. And so our heart is just to keep it going uh, because we need it. That's awesome. So, I mean, so you planted a church seven years ago. You're pastoring a church. You're uh, heavily involved in in the prison ministry, taking that over. But, man, you also founded the Texas Dream Center. So, <laughs> like, I mean, you, you, what else do you do with your spare time? <laughs> like, man, talk to us about that ministry. <laughs> Go to the chiropractor. Uh, but, um, man, the Dream Center is something that's, um, it's it's funny, but, when I first moved here to Houston, right at 10 years ago, there was no dream center. Mm. And in this, this big, it just blew me away. I just grew up just loving like the Barnett's and all that they do with dream yeah, center yeah. and outreach. And, um, I just was so moved by it. And I just heard the Lord. I didn't come with the intention of it. I just, I just asked the Lord, it's like, God, if, if he, I felt like he started in my heart to do it even before the church started. He said, okay, God, if you want this to happen, uh, then put evidence around me, like the Bible says, like, show me yeah. that you want me to do this. Because even like you just alluded to, bro, like how in the world? Like, And so so we just said, OK, Lord, we'll do it. And then we'll just trust your pace of growth in it. And I've always loved the idea of Dream Center just because, sadly enough, there are a lot of people and businesses and even, sadly, churches that won't 
partner with another church, but they will another organization. Right, right. So the idea behind it all is like we can maybe gather more people for kingdom work that may not want to work with the local church. But uh, real quick on the story, uh, bottom line is like I put evidence around me. I was sitting down with a businessman here in Houston in the oil and gas. And we're just talking. The dude is a heathen. I mean, he don't love you for nothing. But that's why I'm hanging out with him. I love guys like that. Yeah. So he he's uh. He's, he just popped me in the chest one day and said, hey, Barber, hey, you got any kids we can give toys to? And I lied. I went, yeah. And so I didn't have a clue. I was like, God, maybe this is you working. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then so he said, all right. So he said, hey, show up at this restaurant uh, this Friday, and we're going to get some toys, helping kids. I'm like, okay. Well, at that time, I had no church trailer. I had nothing. He's a successful man. I have no ki- I don't know what I'm going to do. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass him and show up with like a a pickup truck. So yeah. I'm rented a 27 foot U-Haul trailer. <laughs> it's like, what am I, and we pull in and, uh, it turned out to be one of the top oil and gas Christmas parties in the city of Houston. Oh, wow. And we walked away that day with over 2000 toys. Wow. He came out like, bro, ain't this awesome? Isn't this great? It's going to be good. And I said, like, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> Get in the U-Haul. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with 2000 toys? <laughs> <laughs> And so I just did something that I don't recommend, but I literally just picked the three worst neighborhoods in Houston and I rolled in there with the U-Haul and opened up the back of that thing. Thank God the popo didn't show up. Here's a white dude handing out toys in the middle from a U-Haul. Wow. And I just found two kids on bikes. I said, hey, come here. They came. I rolled up the back of that U-Haul and their eyes just got so big. I said, go tell all your friends. (laughs) Every kid in the neighborhood within 10 minutes, that's, and it was in that moment I heard the Lord say, I need somebody to steward this. Wow. And uh, that was the beginning. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And so from then, we've had multiple events like that, multiple outreaches. We're letting it just grow at its pace. I'm not forcing anything, running at it. We're just like, okay, God, we're going to build this church. We're going to build this thing. You bring opportunities. We're going to do it. So we didn't take the pressure on of trying to like grow something huge while we're trying to do. I'm just like, all right, God, I'm just going to be obedient. You need this, and God has begun to bless it in and uh, in our our city. Matt, I, man, I I love that story because I I think that it's so inspiring. But I think what God's looking for is He's just looking for someone to say yes. Man, there's so many opportunities just looking for somebody to say yes and step out. And but you know we we uh, we we don't always step out of the boat because we're trying to figure out all the details ahead of time and how it's all going to work out. But man, that is. Awesome. That is amazing. So it's it's very obvious that I don't know that you are passionate about uh, you know to winning souls and impacting a city for Jesus. So man, how many salvations did your ministry see in the last year? In the last year, uh man, I actually have that written down. Well, we've seen uh what's incredible, right over 1,000, 1,124 people wow. know Jesus through wow. our church. Which is incredible. Through our prison ministry outreach, I thought this was cool. With 14 outreaches, we had almost uh, over 22,000 in attendance. And a right at 7,800 people came to know Jesus, men and women. Wow. 30% of the prison population. Come on. That is awesome. Wow, man. That is amazing. So God is just God is just moving like crazy. And that doesn't even include any outreaches we've done with Dream Center or the church. That's just in-house and in prison. Wow, 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 wow. All right, so man, tell me about someone, someone that came to the Christ, that came to the Lord in the last, 
last year came in, messed up whatever it might be, whatever background, somebody that you wouldn't expect to walk through the doors of, the, of, of a church and, and give their heart to Jesus and their life's radically changed. Man, man, when I saw that question, that's hard because uh, so many that I just love to celebrate. Yeah. I would say one recent over the last year, uh, Anthony, and uh, when we first met, he was actually in prison. And um, and he uh, he got out, and I didn't know that we had connected or he had been a part until he came to the church. Yeah. But he came to the church, and what stood out to me about him first is when he came to the church, and he was already loving the Lord, but really kind of gave his life back to the Lord. And then we had baptisms that day. And all of a sudden, I noticed, like, like there's this there's this trash bag around his ankle. I'm like, bro, what's up? And I found out, dude, he wanted to get baptized so bad, he still had an ankle monitor that he could go somewhere from getting out of prison. And he was like, I'm going to wrap this thing up so it don't go dead, but I got to get baptized today. Wow. And so it was just amazing, just baptizing this dude, ankle monitor and all. Like, yeah. I don't care. I want to give my life to the Lord. And, and since then... <laughs> He's an incredible artist, and um, God is using him mightily. And he had a huge opportunity even to go from the Dallas and all that. It would have changed everything for him, but he realized the power of is intriguing as that is. There's nothing that's giving me life more than the local church. And and he stayed planted in the local church. And then now, right at a year later, God is just is giving him everything that he could ever dream and t- putting him in places from a guy who's in prison in places with CEOs and, and businesses and leaders. And just, it's just incredible what God has done. Literally the Joseph story or from the pit to the palace. I mean, wow. God has just used them in a mighty, mighty way. And I would say that's one that definitely sticks out to my mind that I could probably take up the rest of this time and share so many cool yeah. things. But that one is, was the most fresh in my heart. That's so cool. I mean, you hear, you hear stories like that and, Man, it, it, it always brings a big smile to, to our faces when we talk about people like that. Because, man, you, you can go through the struggles and, you know, the financial struggles, the, the relational struggles, the, the battles of pastoring. But then you look at, at a life like that and go, okay, that's why we do what we do. And that makes it all worthwhile, man. That's so awesome. That's it, man. That's what it all is, bro. That's so good. Man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little quote from your website because this this stood out to me and I I love it. It's it's it says about your church. It says our church loves to serve and bless our city, and we believe that through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, and that God has given His church the mandate to care for the hurting and helpless in our cities. You know, quoting Proverbs eleven eleven. And this incredible responsibility can only be accomplished as we come together and think creatively and use our resources to make a difference in our city. As we share hope and help with those in need, we are living out the true heart of the gospel. Man, I, I love that. I was like, I'm signing up. I'm, I'm in, man. Like, here, here we go. So talk to me about this mandate and how we as pastors can start serving revolutions in our, our own communities. I love that. Um uh, man, I would just say, um, I think it kind of goes back to what you kind of already alluded to pastor. And that was just that, uh, just be willing to say yes. Yeah. Like, I think, I think you have to just be willing to, to know that you can be used by God. Um, I'll give a little context behind it, but to give you a story to start it off is, um, I remember God reminded me of that during hurricane Harvey that hit here two years ago, mm. that just sh- shook our city. And I just remember thinking that, man, our size church and who we are and what, like, what can we do? Can we even do anything? 
And uh, I just heard the Lord just say one day, like or one morning when I woke up, he said, man, you don't know what I can do. I just need somebody to say yes. Wow. I did the archer. I went I went to our facility that we're that we were doing portable church at. And I just said, hey, what would it take? What is, what is five weeks of operational cost for you? Mm. And, and safe. I signed a check <laughs> to cover that entire thing. I said, will you give this thing for me for five weeks? So we turn into a rescue center wow. for Hurricane Harvey. And and within just to God be all the glory, not anything to pat ourselves on the back, but just just through those doors, not even including all the outreaches and help that we did. But God opened up the door. Over 10,000 family members came to the doors of our church to receive help, healing in Jesus. Wow. Every every time they got something, a team member volunteer was walking out with them to the car, sharing Jesus about them. Wow. And I just thought and, and honestly, if it just may remind you that God can use anybody, he's ready to use anybody. It doesn't matter if you feel unqualified, you'll never be more qualified than you are right now. And I think that when we get that, I think that that we'll have for people to do something. You got to you got to be willing to do something. Right. And so and I think also with that, it's just to keep a hunger with people. I think that especially speaking to pastors and leaders, uh, comparison kills um, success kills. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes that robs our focus on living on people. Mm. The one story that I thought of is um, in John chapter four, which we all know it. It's the moment where um, where Jesus meets the woman at the well and we all preach and teach, which we need to to have to love the one. Yeah. Uh, but there are two scenarios there, too, that that I think that God is speaking to us about is is one scenario is right before Jesus went there. He was, remember, somebody came up to him and there was a competition going on between him and John the Baptist. So who was baptizing the most? Yeah. And then and Jesus said, I got to get up out of here. I think the human side of Jesus, we need to understand. Too, like, like he's like, man, I got to get get away. And then right after that, he healed a politician's daughter. So he's about to take, be taken to national status. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was two radical moments of growth for him. I, I think Jesus went to the well. This is the only time I can find in the gospel, and I'll be proven wrong. I need to be proven wrong if, if I've missed it. But the only time in the gospel where I've seen Jesus alone doing ministry. Mm. And at the well by himself. And I just think that Jesus went to the well more for him than he did anybody else. Wow. Because the disciples went into town to get food. Well, that's a whole nother story there, too. He passed. The lady came from the town. They went into town. So in other words, they passed up on the opportunity to be the answer. And when they came back, Jesus said he brought them food. And Jesus said, the food that I have, you know nothing about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He challenged them on their hunger for people. You care yeah. more about your hunger than their hunger. And But Jesus, I believe that that moment at the well was for him because that was a moment where nobody else was around. And I think it's a challenge to us. Like, what is the place as pastors and leaders what is our well moment? What is the place where we can go and we lead somebody to the Lord that refreshes our soul, that, remi- that reminds us why we're called to do what we do? Wow. Where you don't post about it on Instagram, you don't share with the post. Like literally, that story is just between you and the Lord, mm. and it's for you. And you got to find the places that remind you how to keep loving on people. And that's different for everybody. For me, it's a little bit different. It's going to the deepest, dark place of a prison. <laughs> yeah. It's going to the streets of my community. Like it's it's going like like some it might be a hospital. Some it might be get on the phone like like what do you, and I think sometimes when God brings growth, we get so 
we fall more in love with the platform than we do the well. Um, wow. I think that's our hunger for people. I know it does for me. Yeah. Easily get caught up in, in, in so many different things. And so I think a hunger for people, and I've even done some very practical things, which sounds silly, but I don't know if any other pastor or leader deals with this, but man, I hate looking at numbers because a good day in church can also become a bad day in church. Yeah, that's true. Yep. They don't, I don't look at nothing until Tuesday morning. Mm. The only thing I look at is the number of salvations on Sunday. Yeah. The team keeps it for me. I make sure I'm just going to celebrate salvations and ask the Lord to bring you one story every Sunday. And I make sure to tell that story to somebody throughout the week. It keeps my joy. It keeps my love for people. It keeps my hunger. So I think, I think that statement that you read about our church, and I'm always trying to coach our team, Mike, and what is the moment to where you can lead somebody to the Lord that is for your soul? And it doesn't have to be shared with anybody else. Yeah. I think it just keeps us grounded and hungry. People just came back. Jesus challenged them. The food I got, you know nothing about. Like, don't lose your hunger for people. Mm. And because the mission of the local church is outreach. We're not a church that does outreach. We do outreach through the power of the local church. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. It's not about Sundays. Um, we don't, outreach isn't about getting people to our church. Outreach is about taking a group of people to go bring church to our city. So good. And that's just, that's just the heartbeat. So I, I just feel like the, I don't know who it might be for maybe listening to, but I, I have to ask myself all the time, like, man, what am I doing to remind myself to keep loving on people? That mm-hmm. honestly, it could care less the size of the church and care less how many people are here today. It care less, man, if I just like find that one person where I don't have to tell people about, you know, it's like, just what am I doing to keep my soul healthy? And I think no matter where God takes us, man, we'll continue to have a love and hunger for people. Man, that is so, so good. Uh, and, and man, challenging for all of us. And man, thank you for sharing that because that, that is, that is awesome. And it is, it is very evident, you know, your joy, that joy that it, the Bible talks about joy, that is strength that, man, that's, it emanates out of you. And I know the ministry that you're doing and the ministries that you're involved in. Man, it's it's uh, it's like beating your head against the wall sometimes, and 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 man, so thanks for fighting for that joy and doing that. And your, I mean, your ministries are evidence of of that, man. So 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 appreciated. But man, challenge us again. Just what would happen if every local church took on on that mandate and just said, okay, we're we're going to go after the one in our city. We're going to say yes to the opportunities. We're going to look for the needs and and, and meet it. Uh, what would happen if every local church? What can what can you see? Man, I just, one, I think heaven would be able to stay in a party, you know, yeah. uh, says when one comes to heaven, all of heaven throws a party. And I just think, I think it's just like as a local church, uh, man, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than um, we'd all get home sooner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just think that, um, man, I wish I had the stats and numbers, but I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer other than just sounds like begging, but just like begging pastors to, to love on your city more than you ever have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Jesus spent for strategically, the Bible says love of the world, but what good would it be if we, it's not that it's not good, but what good would it be at the end of my journey as a church and a pastor, if I love the world, but never changed my community? Yeah. I just think that there is not to bash anybody, but I just think there are a lot of churches like there's more world work than city work. And Jesus spent the majority in his city. 
he's Jesus. He could have gone anywhere. And I yeah. think it's just an example to follow. I just think that let's not get so caught. We need to serve the world. We need to take care of the world. Hear my heart. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I think if every pastor's focus got to the place where my community, my city is first. Yeah. Uh, in other words, it, you know, it worries me. Like I, I, I even went through this. I felt I went through a time to where like, I care more about being known at a conference. It's just being real talk. Yeah. I care about being at a conference more than I did my own city community. Mm. There's some that like, man, what good is if I'm known everywhere else, but my own city, my own community don't know me. Yeah. And I just think we get that. I think when we just love like crazy, pour resources, time and energy into our city and let everything else flow out of that. I think, man, we're going to see a revolution and we're going to see a change happen like we've never seen in the local church. And I believe that that's happening. I really do. Yeah, I sense I sense an urgency. I, I hear it in your voice. I, I've been sensing the same thing, sensing an urgency that the local church, it's our time. The world is more hopeless than it's ever been. And yet we have the answer. We have the hope. And I mean, that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to kind of spark the conversation as local church and saying, hey, it's it's our time as a local church. And if if each pastor, if each church could rise up and and be that hope, be that center of hope in the in the community, be that outreach and do that take on their city and saying, this is this is my city. We're going to solve the problems here. Man, we could change the world and we could go home sooner. I mean. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I love it, man. This has been amazing. Thanks so much for doing this. Is there anything that that I should have asked but but haven't? No, man. Um, I appreciate you. I just want to honor you and just say thank you. I know we just briefly met at Team Church, but getting to kind of see a little bit of your world through social media and online. It's just it's just evident that God is using you. Thank you for you saying yes. Thank you for all that you're doing. And thank you for be willing to speak about a topic that is not easy to challenge pastors and leaders on. Mm. But yet you're, you're, you're following your heart to do it because it's needed. And so I just want to say thank you to you, your entire team, your church for leading by example on how to love people and challenge us all to do it better. Yeah, appreciate that, man. And and yeah, we briefly met at the end of uh, end of the conference. And the the moment we we connected, I was like, okay, there's somebody, there's somebody I got to press into. There's, there's something about you that that I'm just such an honor to uh, to meet you and to be inspired by you to watch what's going on. We're championing what you're doing and so excited about what you're doing in the city of Houston, in the state of Texas, and and around and and in prisons. Man, it is it is awe inspiring and. Man, I, I want to encourage all of our listeners, you gotta you gotta check Brandon out and his and and the church out. You gotta check out what's going on. Texas Dream Center, elevate people, check it out. So where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, um our website is elevatepeople.tv and that's also all of our social as well. Just elevate people. They connect there and then they'll see my personal, I think, on there as well. But we pretty much channel everything through there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. There's, this has been great conversation, so inspiring, and I think we've got lots to chew on. So thanks for, for giving that to us, man. Thank you for the honor. Wow, wow, wow. If you're not inspired after that, so I, check your pulse. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that was an amazing oh. 
Man, isn't he inspiring? What yeah. amazing! Uh, every time I have a conversation with him, I'm I'm fired up. Feel like I got to go take the next mountain. Let's go. What, what was your big takeaway? There's something to be said for countenance. So even just doing the video interview with him, like you just can tell this is a guy that's doing God's work because there's just like an insatiable joy on him. Right. So if somebody's if somebody's just listening to this podcast, yeah. you got to go to the YouTube channel yes. and watch this thing because uh, yeah, you got to see him. Yeah, he, he inspires. <laughs> he's always smiling. Yeah, he's always yeah. cheerful. And I know his ministry is hard. So on, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And with that, like the biggest takeaway I got from it was, he, you know, he asked himself, you know, or somebody asked him, why do you think God chose you? And he answered with, because he knew I wouldn't quit. And then if you knew yeah. the family that he grew up in, yeah. quitting wasn't an option. Yeah. Right. That's so good. I also love the emphasis on it's not about the numbers. Yep. It's not about, you know, the, the big result. It's about the one. Yes. And it's all about the one and never forgetting the one yep. that, that we minister to the one. And hungry it, for people. Hungry for people. I love that. I hope that inspired you. Thank you so much for joining us. How can people join the Go team? Help us move this mission forward of leading soul-winning churches. Yeah, absolutely. Go to iTunes, rate and review these podcasts and 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 just helps it just helps us get get the word out a little more and allowing people to hear the podcast and and hopefully elevate what they're doing. Absolutely. You can join us on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group. We're on Instagram, uh, gocast underscore podcast on Instagram. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Go and check that out. Uh, and next episode, we have an amazing conversation with my friend Joshua Bingle from Spokane, Washington. He's so much fun. He's got lots of insight. <laughs> it was a great conversation. Here's a clip. One of the... Um, debilitating things I think about our culture is this phenomenon sociologists are calling alone together. Yeah. Like we are, we are more connected than ever yet. We're lonelier than ever. And what science has not figured out how to do and what no app can do is to give you belonging. Um, we, we have apps to organize our schedules, but what science cannot figure out is how to let you be alone and still like feel like a part of something. Right. And so to me, it's not even looking for hurting people so much as it's like, find a lonely person and let them know that they're seen, mm. that you are valued, that you are loved, you are known. So make sure you tune into our next episode with Pastor Joshua Bingle. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.